welcome to episode 11 of Hunting for Candle Ends. I'm your host, Neil. I know it's been a while since our last episode, but I think I should be able to start producing these on a more regular basis. Thematically, we're all over the place this week. First, I'll take you on an audio adventure at the Rockamura Music Festival in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that I recorded this summer. And then Dan Hartman reviews the book Between Man and Beast for a new short book review segment. Uh, Regular contributor Mike Schwartz discusses the topic of women in the workforce, and then I close the episode out with a song that I first released on Father's Day. So let's get started. It should be a pretty long episode this week. I went to the Rockamura Music Festival held at Nakamura Co-op in Ann Arbor, uh, July 27th, with two musicians, rapper Volume, also known as Mark, and electronic musician Alex Peters. I missed most of the festival, really. There were a bunch of bands that I didn't see. It was a apparently on from 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. I just got there at the end, and I was mostly in the basement where the uh, electronic music was. Um, So I just heard DJ Davies Whiskey, who you'll hear a little bit at the beginning, and you'll also hear Volume and then Alex, and I also throughout interviewed various people just randomly. I brought my microphone along to see what would happen, and this was the result. Z. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't me, okay? Black Keys. Okay, Black Keys. Um, what else? Uh, we got Brittany. What's your last name? Spears. Brittany Spears okay. is here. Um, we've got a lot of that going on. She's kind of killing it right now at the main stage. Um, a lot of fun stuff coming up. A lot of fun stuff. Uh, Are you uh, the coordinator? I'm, I'm the official coordinator here at uh, Rockamura. Is this a joke or not a joke? This is. Oh, you sounded pretty good. That's not all right. Hey, uh, Ten minutes break. Ten minutes The root of it is a grandpa gets Alzheimer's and has to be taken care of by his like 25 year old grandson. Wow. We managed to turn it into like camaraderie. Camaraderie. You should check it out though. Okay, so what's what's the status right now? Is it done? We're we're, we're shooting tomorrow on Monday and then we're done. And Are you doing this part of a film class or just independently? We're so just a bunch of we're a bunch so of sack nerds trying to make a movie. So basically, I, right? I, I just graduated. Okay. Um, sack and English degree. I do. Davy Swiskey. He was just DJing. Okay. Nice. Um, He's playing all that awesome music that we were dancing yeah, to. Yeah, no and, doubt. And he. Uh, it was like towards the end of the school year, and he, we were both at a party, drunk. We'd had some class together, hadn't really talked that much, and I was like, oh, hey, David, what's going on? And it just sort of came about. He goes, I want to make a movie this summer. And I said, I want to be involved with that. And he goes, do you want to write it? Sure. Next morning, we both like kind of realized how drunk we'd been, but we like he texted me. He goes, I was serious about making a movie this summer. I said, I want to write it. So we took in a bunch of uh, propositions, 
and we ended up going with this one where the root of it is uh, a kid and his grandpa. How old is the kid? Initially, he's like 10, and then wow. he's 25. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. And so it basically starts out, kid and his grandpa, they have a connection, whatever. The grandpa, 15 years later, has like Alzheimer's-ish, something like that. So the kid has to like leave his shitty job and go like care for him. All the while, over the course of caring for his grandpa, he's like getting this like tempting job offer, and it ends with relatively ambiguously, he can either go and take this job that he wants or care for his grandpa, who he realizes that he like didn't appreciate. And now they have a thing. Sweet. Yeah. So it's been pretty solid. We had some good location. Okay. We had some- so I'm kind of gonna need your hands in the air for this. Be a 
take charge, triple brother bullshit, never live in my cause. Somehow, someway, got to push robots up and face the game. Yo, yo, please say, cause I'm lost inside, it's been so far away. Way, away. <laughs> Just very poorly and have almost no nutritional value, even if they're only 15 cents a pack. Here's our. once today and um, 
I just feel like if I piss in public, wow. you know, just my luck, you know? It's awful, man. Am I, am I being recorded? What is this? It's not being Hi. Why are you waiting for the back? I really like to use it. Um, how was your night? Uh, great. I got to play with a lot more acts than I anticipated originally. How long have you been here? I've been here for three years as this house, not tomorrow. You live here? Yeah, I do. How long have you done this uh, show here? This is only the second year that we've done Rockamora so far, yeah. Are you going to keep doing it every year, you think? Oh, absolutely. It's only gotten bigger and bigger by the year. How long do you think you're going to be here? I'm actually moving out in the next month, but um, I'm close with a lot of people that are still living here and just moving into the house, so there's another two years at least that I'll be connected here. So you'd like to encourage people to still come and check the place out? Oh, absolutely. It's only going to get better, I think. So what are the hours of the knock, of knock, the knock, what's it called, Rockamura? Rockamura, yes, the what, second annual Rockamura. What, what are the hours of it, you know? Running from 2 p.m. to 2 a.m. To 2 a.m.? Yes, in what's, all day. Oh, that's cool. A 12-hour event. Um, I, I'm a DJ at WCBN in Ann Arbor. Well, that's funny, I've actually played on WCBN. You have? With Moonroots on Jamming with Jack Straw. No doubt, no doubt. No doubt, that's awesome. Yeah. So I thought I'd hang out here, and then I have the radio show at 3 a.m. in the morning. Tonight? Yeah. Wow. It seemed like a good place to hang out before I went to the show. I didn't know what Put to do. Put it on the air. You know what? If any of your listeners are listening and they've heard Jaron with Jack Straw, Moonroots is on the air. Moonroots is now... Is that your band? Well, Moonroots is gone. Oh, that's They've sad. since moved off to greater and better things. How many recordings did you guys have before you called it quits? There was about six quality recordings, if that, maybe. Some of them were demo quality and one was more done. How um, can you find them? You can find them on Facebook at Moonroots. But okay. most importantly, I want to s- stress that you can find my music. I was writing the songs before. You can find me at Ivory Shakedown. I'm doing a, a funk electronic project now. Nice. Tell me once again, I didn't hear that. Ivy Shakedown? Ivory Shakedown. Ivory Shakedown. Yeah. Facebook slash Ivory Shakedown. That's right. Also right. on SoundCloud as well. <laughs> Which do you prefer? People, and you're standing on a stage or people are surrounding you and... and, and... Um, it's, I mean, they each lend their different energy and dynamic to it. You know, I think I can, sometimes I enjoy the separation of the stage because it allows you to maybe project more performance. At the same time, I try to perform from a genuine place, and the whole point is connecting with people yes. and sharing ideas and emotion and song. And, when and people are surrounding you, they, they're all about you. Like, they don't want you to fuck up. If you're on a stage, they kind of stay back. But if they're around you, You know what? I don't mind being on a stage as long as people are actually active and up. Sometimes when you perform for kind of a dead fish crowd, it can be pretty irritating. When you want an immersive experience, you're trying to bring people into what it is that you've created. Right. And they're doing the Detroit armfold head nod. Yep. And you're like, "What? can you just get up and enjoy yourselves, please? Because right. I'm enjoying myself. Right. And this is an informal invitation for you to do the same. You know, whether it be escaping what you need to escape or just right. enjoying whatever music you may, you know. 
experience. So that makes sense. As long as there's a degree of attention and participation, it's it's all good. I thought you were going to give me a bullshit answer, but that was a really a really good answer, actually. Also, when the bears jump over the yes sharks yes, but the sharks are being ridden by the bears. Okay, it's you know it's, yes. There's wormhole effects. Wow. And Krang with okay. the brain in his stomach. Brain is, yeah. From, and then, right. did you know that Micro from Dirty Jobs used to be a QVC salesman? Look up the video, Micro Cat Sack. What is, what is a cat sack? <laughs> it's, a, it's a sack for cats that crinkles. Because cats enjoy being in bags that make crinkly sounds. Wow. And it's got a little cat embroidered on the side of it. Wow. Yeah, you know? Do you see the Moon Knight hat? Why are you waiting for the bathroom? I am on LSD. Okay, how long have you been tripping? Right now, I would say... all motherfucking day. I would you say... You look like you're part of the MIB right now. Because you have this <laughs> motherfucking whoa, whoa. thing. Yep. See, if you oh, do that, sorry, then it will sound myself. really bad. Yeah, no, no, I, I am part of the Men in Black, yes. Why are so, five you hours. So, five hours been tripping. So... Probably starting to feel a little better. Yeah, yeah, we're transitioning. Oh, that's a beer. On PBR. Yes. The the greatest thing to transition on if you were on acid. It would mean the world to me if you could just go to this webpage. Just check it out. This whole party tonight is brought to you by Aeroplane Records. I will go to that website. Dude, it would be so cool. We're just starting out. Dude, we got a lot of local bands here in our area, Detroit area. Well, right now we got a few bands under the like Aeroplane umbrella. A few of them have played tonight. I don't know. I mean, you guys have been here for like at least a few hours now. Yeah. yeah. I saw you. It was still kind of light out. Yeah. So I imagine, <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. But uh, the Celebes just finished up and like they just started like 10:30. You heard what's, that? What's their, what's, Who is the dude with the telecaster? What the fuck is that? Alex. He's actually my business partner in Aeroplane. So we're okay. kind of like trying to get like bands, very, very, like, very exposure. Cool. Like, yeah. Elephant something. I like the elephant Celebes. Yeah. Celebes. They were awesome. Yeah, man. dude. They rocked the house. Dude, that those bass guys. man. Fucking. He's Justin. He's new, dude. Last time I was in town to see the Celebes, it was a two-piece, just the guitar and they drums. They keep him. They just yeah. added the bassist, and I am so stoked. Yeah, dude. it was they tight. Keep him because of the bassist and the beard. Yeah, that dude. is the two reasons. Dude, no, yeah. they kept the group going though. You, you had the, the bass and the beard. I like it when you yeah. played that beard. Yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. That beard <laughs> that beard it was tonight. cool, yeah. dude. Yeah, they're definitely yeah. groovy, man. Sweet hat. <laughs> 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 really, I actually kind of stole it. Yeah, that's totally yours. It's an impulsive decision to give the hat to you forever. <laughs> Was he part of the Navy? No. Alex? No. Who had the hat? Alex. Yeah. Alright. Yeah, let's I want to judge, but... <laughs> 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 you might have done communications for the Navy. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> no, I mean, you should... You know, you know in, in The Simpsons, people make assumptions about planners. Because it's an intelligent Don't forget the conservative Christian party. Good dog. And then we're going to take shit off peacefully. Boom! That's you. <laughs> when does that happen? Like, like later? Yeah. It's <laughs> generally so sad and peaceful. Now and again, it's just the rage monster. Wow. 
Yeah. 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 I'm not sure why. Yeah. Yeah. The gamma rays? <laughs> you take something of that sort to make me angry. <laughs> gamma rays make me angry. I can't remember the last time I was mad about something. <laughs> Even when your computer was messing up, you weren't, you weren't that mad. I was impressed. <laughs> it was more, it was more dense than the strangers. Like Alex is the most chill dude I know. Like, he is fine. You would not think of that kid. He's the easiest guy to go along with. He reaches out. He makes life a lot easier. Fucking hate Alex Peters. Fucking dick. How is life? Life is amazing right now. Are you recording? I am. All right. So you want to hear what what's been happening up until now? Yes. Go for it. We walked around for a long time. All right. Here's no. Let me tell you. Okay. I woke up maybe 2 p.m. Okay. I'm in my bed. I'm watching okay. Adult Swim is still on or whatever, Cartoon Network. Yep. So I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do today? And then I get a phone call. They're like, hey, you want to hang out tonight? And I'm like, all right, yeah, sure, let's go for it. So I'm getting ready throughout the day. I'm cleaning my house, you know, whatever, preparing the hot tub for fun and enjoyment. And then these guys come rolling along and they're like, all right, cool. And you know, it's all chill and everything. Everybody comes in, we sit down, like, all right, let's smoke some weed, let's play some GTA. This is good, this is good. And then they're like, oh yeah, let's do acid. And I'm like, all right, let's do acid. And then we rolled around for a bit, dropped acid. And then after that, we walked around town. We got into that bell tower, the big bell tower around no here. The door was unlocked. Okay. We got into it, walked to the top, looked over it. It was fucking magical. Fucking magical. Like, do you ever. Do you ever want to capture the feeling upstairs. of seeing a meadow? Of being in a meadow and watching a sunset. Beauty, all-encompassing, like some birds are chirping, some whatever. Like, spiritually, it feels like someone was jerking me off, but, but my soul. Someone was, like, jerking my soul off. That's what it was. That's what I was feeling in that time. So after we left the bell tower, after this bell tower, we hop into the fountain. We dip our feet in. We take some change. We buy cigarettes with this change. We go around. We smoke all these cigarettes, look around, and then we see this nice little establishment coming up. So we're just basically wandering around this town on LSD, looking for shit to do. And we come up and find this lovely establishment and see you here with the microphone. And that's where we are now. You hadn't heard about it ahead of time. I had not heard about any of this. I don't know any of these people. Okay. I think we're trespassing, actually. No, I think it's a party. You're allowed to Right. Come. I've stolen a few things okay. in my pocket. Yeah. Um, I've told no one my real name. Which is? Don't worry about it. Okay, Just sorry. call me Elijah. Elijah. Elijah Wolfwood. My name is Elijah Wolfwood, and I'm on LSD. Okay. All right, so let's go back to this fountain shit. Okay. So we grab all this change from this I know fountain. the fountain where there's the water that shoots up at all the Greek gods and stuff. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Yeah. We find this weird Japanese mermaid shit. It looks like a big Chinese man whose half of his body is a fish, okay. but then he didn't, like, have a full head. It okay. came more like, like a big stump, but he had, like, facial features on this stump. Like, uh, basically, he had a tumor for a head. Which is, I guess, really what all heads are. Tumors. Whatever. And he was blown on this thing. And so I flicked change it. And it was pretty cool. Yeah. That's good. That's great. 
Yeah. Oh, is that the whole story? That's pretty much the whole story. All right, so I want to make sure I give some contact information for some of the people you heard there. The first DJ was Davy Sawiski, and the guy I interviewed later, Joe Strix, were both working on the movie you heard about called Final Thoughts, but the name has since been changed to Minor Chance. You can find more information on Facebook or Twitter. Look for Three Toad Productions. You can find the music of Volume, a.k.a. Mark, and download his album for free at volume.bandcamp.com. Uh, the music of Alex Peters can be found on soundcloud.com slash alexinthetrees. I talked to David, formerly of Moonroots, who lived at Nakamura, and I mentioned uh, he mentioned his music on soundcloud.com slash ivoryshakedown. I also talked to Adam from Aeroplane Records, who organized some of the music, uh, which I didn't get to see a lot of. Um, but he will hopefully remind me to go to Rakamura earlier next year so i can see some of the bands um aeroplane records site is aeroplanerecords.com and of course elijah wolfwood can perhaps be found tripping on acid in a fountain near you up next is dan hartman with a book review This is a review of the book Between Man and Beast, An Unlikely Explorer, The Evolution Debates, and the African Adventure That Took the Victorian World by Storm, by Monty Reel. I don't have too much to say about this well-written book. The subtitle summarizes it accurately. The unlikely explorer was Paul Dushayu. His African adventure was his quest to be the first Westerner to kill and bring back a gorilla, and the reason why his success took the Victorian world by storm is that at the time, in the 1860s, the theory of evolution was a hotly debated topic, and the discovery, quote-unquote, of the gorilla added fuel to the fire of both sides of the debate. The author does an excellent job of weaving Mr. Deshaio's personal history, including his two explorations of Gabon, Africa, with the evolutionary debates that his discoveries helped engender. I found it an interesting and compelling book, on a side note, as is often the case when I'm reading history, I was blown away by how recently the depicted events took place. In the 1860s, great swaths of Africa were unexplored, gorillas were semi-mythical creatures, and modern medicine was in its infancy, and racial prejudice governed daily life. It's just 150 years ago. Not that long. Pretty incredible. Thanks, Dan. We'll have more book reviews from Dan every week on Hunting for Candlelands. Up next is Mike Schwartz. He will be talking this week about women in the workforce. Um, he has a lot of statistics in this episode, and what he's looking for, as he'll mention soon, is some feedback on what what you guys think about this. So he'll give out his email address. I'll try to reiterate everything at the end. Or you can type something up on our Facebook page if you have an opinion. Definitely looking for some feedback on this issue.
Hello, good morning, good day, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good whenever you are listening to this. I hope you're doing well, and I hope it's a good time whenever it is. This is Mike Schwartz, and I want to welcome you all to my part of the podcast of Hunting for Candlelands, where I like to talk about uh, movies, books, uh, cultural events, music, um, various things like the New York's World Fair of 1939 and other random interests that strike me that I love to share with you and various other things. Um, this week, I am going to talk about something a little different uh, from what I usually discuss. I'm going to actually talk about women in the workforce this week and uh, maybe a little bit drier than some of my other talks, although who knows, maybe those are bored you to death as well. But I, I think this is an interesting topic to talk about uh, for many reasons, um, not just because it is an interesting topic, but because there have been several uh, recent reports and a couple books that came out on this very topic of the rise of women in the workforce in America. And it is, it is interesting to me, and I'm sure to the women listening, but I think to everybody. So uh, I want to jump right in, but I should note first that uh, I'm going to break this up, this conversation up into two parts because it, it's a lot of data. <laughs> and um, again, I don't want to bore anybody out there to death. So in the first part, I'm going to talk about these reports uh, that have come out recently and recap them and talk about the good news that's worth celebrating in them about women in the workforce, as well as some more troubling aspects. And in the second part of, of the podcast, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about, consider some questions about why this is happening, why women are more represented in the workforce. And between the airing of these two segments, I'd love to also get your feedback. And I do have a new email address that I'm using for this podcast. Uh, and that email address is MikeTheHappyWanderer at yahoo.com. <clears throat> so I'll repeat that at the end as well because I want to invite conversation. Uh, so it'd really be better to have this as a discussion with you all, uh, perhaps in, in my room here with me. But uh, because this is a podcast, we can't do that. So in a, instead, I will invite folks to uh, write to me with their questions or their thoughts. Uh, and then I'll talk about, I'll actually uh, talk about some of those at the next podcast um, to describe the reasons for, for, these reports. But let's jump right in. So I mentioned there have been a number of reports. There's actually been three recent reports and a couple of books, as well as a recent lecture at my local university, all about the role of women in the workforce in the United States. Uh, some of these reports include information that is truly worth celebrating, and we will celebrate that today, uh, mostly about the rise in women's participation in the labor force. However, there are also some troubling aspects to these reports, and once you dig a little deeper, you'll see that it's certainly not all worth celebrating. Um, but I'll talk today about the re research and the conclusions. And by the way, here's where I should disclose the fact that I work for the YWCA in Seattle, King County. And the YWCA is a leading women and fam family organization which works to empower women every day. So this kind of gives me a certain perspective on this issue. And I should also note that I'm one of the few men that work at the YWCA, and I'm also married to a woman who works full-time and makes more money than me. So that gives me another perspective on this topic. And this, um, this talk is also slightly adapted from a conversation that I led recently with several of our employer partners at the YWCA, uh, where I direct our employment and workforce development programs. And uh, that was at my most recent employer advisory board meeting. So I've adapted it slightly uh, for the podcast. 
Um, so after a brief recap of these reports, we'll, we'll turn to look at some of the reasons for this, this uh, new research, new data. Um, so the three reports that I mentioned are the Economic Opportunity Institute's Washington Working Women Report, which was released last year, a Pew Research Study on Breadwinner Moms, which was released about a month ago, or actually a month and a half ago, a Seattle Jobs Initiative, a local agency, uh, report on uh, Working Poor Families, which was released about two months ago, and then I mentioned a couple books as well. So the book mainly that I'm going to talk about is called The End of Men and the Rise of Women by Hannah Rosen, which came out last year. And then there was also Sheryl Sandberg's bestseller, Lean In, which is kind of more of a manifesto than a report or a study about uh, from a working woman executive kind of to other women um, kind of giving advice in, in the kind of mold of Lee Iacocca or something. So I'm not going to talk much about that, um, but it does kind of tie in a little bit to, to this, these other reports and especially Hannah Rosen's book. I also mentioned there was a recent lecture by philosopher Sally Haslinger at the University of Washington on the difference in pay rates for men and women. I'm going to talk about that. I'll probably talk about that more in part two. Uh, and then a couple other little kind of assorted articles. Uh, Associated Press ran an article about the rise in the number of working parents who split the household and childcare tasks. So that's, I think, interesting, worth talking about. And that also touches on this topic as well. I'm curious if any of you, my listeners, have seen any of these reports. So, uh, or if you've seen other reports that relate to this, I'm always looking to read more on this topic. So please do send them to me. I'm also going to put all links up uh, on my Twitter feed for all of the, this research and these reports. And just a quick reminder, my Twitter account is at happywanderer13. All of these reports do discuss the rising numbers of women in the labor market and the more prominent role of women in the new post-recession economy. But uh, let's first talk about the good news. So there is definitely some good news in these reports. Most of these reports note that 75% of American women are now working and 47% of the labor force is now made up of women, higher than at any time in American history. So women are nearly equal to men in terms of the percentage of the labor force. Um, also, locally here where I live in Washington, the Seattle Jobs Initiative uh, report notes that Washington State is number one in the number of women who work. So, woohoo, Washington. Um, and we also have the highest minimum wage here in Washington at $9.19 an hour, uh, which uh, is significant because there's uh, a majority of women are working low wage or minimum wage jobs. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, at this point, though, I just kind of question to throw out there to, to all you listeners. Uh, are you seeing this in your workplaces? Do you see an equal number of women and men in your workplaces or in your field or in your profession? And, and if you don't, how does it compare with other employers in your area? Something worth considering whether this is a, a trend that you're seeing in your workplaces. So write to me. Let me know. All right. Um, Hannah Rosen, in the book I mentioned, The End of Men and the Rise of Women, also notes how the remaking of the economy since the recession has favored women. Uh, so with 12 of the 14 jobs on the rise all being dominated by women, so most of those jobs are actually working class and include many nurturing professions that have been traditionally known as female professions, such as nursing, home health assistants, childcare, food preparation, etc. Um, but Hannah Rosen notes that traditionally blue-collar jobs and service economy jobs are also now favoring women 
because of the still skills that they bring to the workplace. Uh, Hannah Rosen talks about active listening skills, interpersonal and people skills, being more in demand, which favors women in the workplace. Um, and Hannah Rosen also notes in the, this book that women are now starting to dominate middle management and a surprising number of professional careers as well. So it's not just the blue collar and working uh, the uh, low wage working jobs that women are, are on the rise in. It's other professional jobs as well. And when you look at the data, it's definitely borne out. So according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, women now hold 51.4% of managerial and professional jobs. That's up from 26.1% in 1980. So a huge increase among female managers and professionals. Women also make up 54% of all accountants, uh, so a slight majority of accountants, and women hold about half of all banking and insurance jobs as well, which have been very traditionally dominated by men. Um, I, we're noting that at the YWCA too, where we manage a very popular program called the BankWorks Bank Teller Training Program, and many of our closest partners at the banks, uh, the executives, the branch managers, etc., are women. So it's interesting to note the women on the rise in the banking sphere. Also, about a third of America's physicians are now women, as are 45% of associates in law firms. And both of those statistics are rising fast. Um, so women on the rise. And again, a question for you listeners. Are, do you see this in your workplace as well? Are women on the rise in your profession or your occupation? Or your companies? Um, do women dominate any of your occupations at your companies? I'm very curious about this. And also what your thoughts are on the specific reasons for this, although we'll get into that more in part two. Okay, moving on to the next report. So the Pew report that I mentioned on breadwinner moms uh, notes that four out of 10 households, or 40%, have women as the primary or sole breadwinners compared with 11% in 1960. That, this is among the largest increases of all of these reports. Huge increase. So from 11% of, of women uh, in the 1960, uh, in 1960 were the breadwinners of their households, either primary or sole, compared to 40% of women as the primary or sole breadwinner of their household in 2013. And this Pew report has been released. Um, also, 80% of single moms, according to the Economic Opportunity Institute, are now in the workforce. So huge majority of single mothers working. Uh, and data also shows that the overall employment rate of married mothers with children has increased from 37% in 1968 to 65% in 2011. Uh, so that one's a little bit outdated, but shows that uh, it's uh, true that married mothers with children have just overall increased uh, doubled in the workplace. Um, also, I'm curious to if, if any listeners are the um, breadwinners of their household, whether any of the female listeners are, are their primary breadwinners, too. Just kind of kind of curious about that. Finally, uh, an Associated Press article, which I just saw recently, referred to another report in March that notes how more young working dads are sharing the childcare and housework duties with mom. So since 1965, fathers have increased the amount of time they spend on household chores from four hours a week to 10 hours a week. And they've tripled the amount of time they spend with children since 1965. That's really promising. Great to see that men are shouldering more of the duties in the household and doing more of the child raising. 
Um, and again, for you out there in listener land, those of you who are married, do you see this in your households as well? I realize not everybody's going to come clean on this one, <laughs> but in the interest of honesty, I will do so and say that I'm really not doing my share. And uh, I'm not, for example, a great cleaner. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty uh, messy person. And my wife ends up doing more of the cleaning because of that, even though we don't have kids. So there's definitely a disparity here within my household that I'm, trust me, I'm working hard to address, but probably not hard enough for, for my wife's liking. Uh, maybe this will instigate me to work even harder uh, to share our household burdens. Anyway, I'm curious to hear from you all on this one as well. If this is true in your home place, uh, if you are experiencing that, as well as your workplace, too. I, I was thinking about this the other day because I, I do happen to work for a very progressive agency. Um, for example, YWCA offers uh, parental leave for both mothers and, and fathers, paternal leave. Um, you know, I was just thinking the other day, like in the men's room at where I work, there's changing tables for babies. Um, some of our workplaces are very family friendly and allow the parents to bring their, their babies to work. So uh, curious to hear about different workplaces out there, but, um, I feel fortunate to work where I do. So all, all of this data from these reports that I just mentioned can and should be celebrated for the fact that women have achieved a near parity with men in terms of labor market market participation, really for the first time in history. Uh, it's great that more women are working. More family households include income from two working parents, which is also great because it means more money in the pockets of the household. And women are less limited by the traditional role of homemaker. And in many cases, they're getting help from their husbands with domestic tasks and child rearing duties. So all of that is great news. Let's rah-rah celebrate that at this point uh, before we dig a little deeper. Uh, doesn't that, don't you hate that? Whenever you uh, dig a little deeper, it's, it's always more complicated than it seems. So the not so good news behind, behind the headlines. So when you look closer at this data, it's, it's certainly not all positive. Firstly, although it's great that 75% of women are working today, when you look back a couple of decades, in 1990, 74% of women were in the workforce. That's 74%. Do you remember what it is for today, 2013? 75%. So we've gained 1% in 20 years in terms of women in the workplace. Uh, in fact, the U.S. has been moving backwards on this, actually, when you, when you compare it to other countries. Uh, the National Bureau of Economic Research in rankings of the percentage of women in the workforce found that the United States actually fell from 6th place to 17th place out of 22 developed countries, so near the bottom of the, of the pack. Uh, the rest of these countries actually saw the rate of women in the workplace shoot up from about 67% to nearly 80%. So certainly moving in the wrong direction compared to these other countries, even though we've gained 1% in 20 years. And also, although it's great that a large majority of single mothers are now working, mentioned 80% earlier, uh, those same mothers have the highest poverty rate of any group in the country at 48%. So clearly more working moms means more low-income moms. Uh, and I know it's, I've celebrated earlier the fact that, um, my state, and I don't want to get too much patting myself on the back for living in Washington. Uh, in fact, I was just chatting with Neil about this, how people in, in the liberal blue states tend to live in a bubble and tell, tend to be very self-congratulatory about how liberal they are. 
Um, so I'm going to qualify that here to say that even though Washington State is number one for working women, according to that Seattle Jobs Initiative report, we're also dead last in terms of male participation in the labor force. So I'm not exactly sure what that means, if that means that women are getting jobs here at the expense of men or what's happening. Um, but that's interesting to think about and certainly qualifies the good news about Washington being number one for working women. Um, also, Washington State ranks very high among overall percentage of working families that are low income uh, in the 50 states. We're, we're up there, which means that many of Washington's working women are working low wage jobs. So not going to pat myself on the back for, for that one. Uh, if you look at this nationally, too, 58% of minimum wage workers are female. Um, and although, you know, I mentioned we have a high minimum wage in Washington, we also have, I think, the highest number of part-time workers in the country in Washington. And so that, you know, that means that a lot of those women are working not just a minimum wage job, but part-time. Although in truth, that could be due to choice as well, with new mothers choosing workplace flexibility and opting for part-time hours after they have kids. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about the part-time thing on the next part of the podcast. Um, that, that report, um, interestingly, from the Seattle Jobs Initiative, also notes that Washington places the largest tax burden on working families of all 50 states. Um, it's kind of curious. So again, my state tends to be a very progressive liberal state. We do have high taxes here for that fund a lot of social welfare programs. But unfortunately, the tax burden in Washington is falling disproportionately on working families. So not not very progressive after all. Um, and unfortunately, just to finish this kind of not so good news uh, part, it's still true that women do a lot more of the domestic work than men. So compared to men, women spend 18 hours a week doing housework compared to men's 10. So nearly double the amount of time that men are doing housework. And they're spending six more hours a week with children than men. It's great that men are doing more than they used to, but they're still nowhere near women in terms of both domestic chores, uh, just washing the dishes, doing the laundry, and raising the children. So, um, And also, when you look at the increase in shared household duties that's happening, it's happening mostly among college-educated couples. That's worth adding as well. I guess in the same category of not so good news, it's also true that according to uh, the Pew survey on breadwinner moms, most Americans have mixed feelings about women trading in that traditional homemaker role for the breadwinner role. Uh, half of the survey respondents from the Pew survey, about 51%, said that children are better off if a mother is in the home and doesn't hold a job, while just 8% say the same about a father. So there's some real persistent gender uh, roles and norms that are that are coming into play here uh, in this survey. And yet, at the same time, I can't help to be a little bit hopeful about the report that um, young fathers are pitching in and doing more. I think that does point the way forward, and so I'm, I'm a bit hopeful about that. Um, so the, the, this news that I mentioned earlier about breadwinner moms, um, which sounded really all great, the fact that so many women now are the heads of their household in terms of income, uh, that's mixed news as well. So when you look at the data, the Pew report showed that this group of breadwinner moms is made up actually of very two very different groups. So 5.1 million of them, or 37% of the breadwinner moms, are married mothers who have a higher income than their husbands. So I think that's just great, worth celebrating. No, no dark clouds on that one. However, 8.6 8 .6 million 
uh, of the breadwinner moms, or 63% are actually single mothers. So they're actually the only, the sole breadwinner for their household, which, which is, uh, which explains a huge number of this increase. So the income gap is even more striking. The income gap between these two groups is, is really large. So the, um, women, the married mothers who have a higher income than their husbands, they make an average of $57,000 a year. The single mothers, who are the only breadwinners for their family because they don't have a partner, make an average of $23,000 a year. So a huge difference in pay, and clearly two-thirds of the increase in breadwinner moms that this report celebrates is due to single moms taking mostly low-wage jobs in order to pay the bills. So it's hard to celebrate that. And these moms, they're living in poverty. They're the sole breadwinners because they lack a partner or spouse to share their burden, not because they, they choose or because they're making great advances in the workplace. So that kind of colors that one a little bit more. Uh, the, the book I mentioned by Hannah Rosen, The End of Men and Rise of Women, that's also not 100% positive. Actually, most of that book is very positive. But when you look at some of the other kind of data and statistics, it's not, a, not all positive. Um, so we mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier that the remaking of the economy since the recession has expanded opportunities for women. So I, I discussed earlier how uh, 12 of the 14 sectors that are on the rise are dominated by women now, although I did mention that most of them are working class and fairly low paying nurturing professions. Um, but Hannah Rosen also mentions that women are starting to dominate middle management, professional careers. Um, however, to qualify this, it's also true that gender segregation is still very entrenched in many, many industries. Uh, the obvious examples are, say, healthcare and social welfare or social service sectors. Uh, but when you look at some of the data, it's true that some sectors have actually grown more segregated. For example, women held nearly half of the IT jobs 20 years ago. It's kind of hard to imagine that because now women hold about a third of IT jobs, actually in 2010 when, when that study was done. Um, and it's also unfortunately true that women hold fewer of the top level positions at companies. So women are less than 2% of CEO positions at Fortune 500 companies, and they represent fewer than a fifth of law firm partner positions. And of course, women make up just 18% of the seats in Congress. Uh, so the higher you go, the fewer women you see, although really, I think there's more worth celebrating here than not. So this is just... Uh, slightly qualifying the good news in the Rosen book. And as for as far as the post-recession period, the recovery period that we've been in the past few years, according to the Economic Opportunity Institute study that I mentioned, Washington's Working Women 2012, men have begun to regain lost ground since the recession ended while women are still losing jobs. Uh, reasons for this are unclear. This report doesn't talk about it a lot, but one factor that the report does mention that I'm also seeing in my day-to-day -day life may be the continued loss of public sector jobs, um, which have often been dominated by women. Uh, so as federal government and states, counties, and cities continue to cut back on these public sector positions in the face of diminished public revenue, more of the women are bearing the brunt of those, those job losses. According to the report by the Economic Opportunity Institute, between December 2008 and July 2011, women lost 473,000 public sector jobs nationally, while men lost 109,000. So a huge difference there. Um, and, you know, as as women make up lost ground in, in areas where men have traditionally dominated, 
Clearly, they're losing some ground in areas where they've traditionally dominated. Good example of that, for example, is the teaching profession with a lot of cuts to school districts across the country. Most of those cuts have affected women because of the, the dominance of women in the teaching profession. I should note, though, that it's also true that during the recovery period, um, several male-dominated sectors like manufacturing, wholesale trade, and software publishing have begun to rebound quite robustly, and men are seeing most of the benefits of that rebound, which probably adds to these, these numbers. Although, truly, the long-term prognosis for manufacturing is one of slow decline, and that will affect more men than women in the long term. All right, so that was the not so good news, and I hate to hate to bring it up, but I unfortunately have just some plain bad news for you now. Although really, it's nothing new. So um, about a month and a half ago, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Equal Pay Act. However, women are still paid less on average than men for the same work. This should come as no surprise to to any of you out there. So nationally, women earned 77 cents for each dollar paid to men. And when you look at this across racial lines, it's it's even worse. So African-American women earned 64 cents uh, compared to African-American men, and Latinas earned 55 cents compared to Latino men. So huge difference there. And, and to put this another way, men earn $3 an hour more in wages than do women at the median. So a huge discrepancy, a persistent discrepancy that just has not gone away. Uh, in Washington State, again, a progressive state that I mentioned earlier is where I live, um, this pay gap is even wider. So men in Washington State earn $5 more an hour in liberal blue Washington State. Um, and this is this is wider than it was 17 years ago. So it's a real real problem there. And there's been a lot of talk about it locally. There was a town hall meeting locally about this. And I'm, I'm happy that we're talking about it. But I'm not sure why this why this persists here in, in our state. Um, you know, factors could be the dominance of manufacturing jobs in Washington with Boeing and, and assorted uh, manufacturing companies hiring and employing more men than women. Uh, but I don't know, it, it's it could be more, I'm, it's certainly more complicated than that. And additionally, uh, what's more kind of what's more troubling is, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, men earn more than women at all educational levels. So it really doesn't matter what education you are at at um, at high school or at a B.A. level or M.A. or uh, doctorate level. Uh, men are earning more. And truly, the, this is kind of surprising, but the inequality actually increases as education levels rise. So I think I saw a report that said uh, men with high school degrees earn $7,000 a year more than women. However, men with doctorate degrees earn $27,000 a year more than women. So it, it increases exponentially. And additionally, the disparity in pay rates also increases with age as women are less likely to receive raises and promotions and more likely to take time away from the workforce to raise children. Obviously, that impacts their long-term earnings as well. Uh, so I guess to kind of sum up the first part of this podcast, the great news is that a huge amount, a huge increase in the amount of women in the in the workforce, really, you know, just unquestioningly great news. Uh, but the bad news is they're getting paid less for the same work, which has not changed, and that there's not more women in the workforce, and that you know that there's uh, more 
low-wage women working than men. So a lot worth celebrating, a lot of troubling things as well. And I guess at this point is where I'd like to throw this out to the listeners. Uh, I'd love to hear your take on this research. Again, like I mentioned, I'm going to put links to this up on my Twitter feed. So check out at happywanderer13 for these links to read these reports yourselves. And please do email me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the reasons for this, um, which I'm going to talk about in the next uh, episode of the podcast. So again, my email address, which I created just for this podcast, is mikethehappywanderer, that's M-I-K-E-T-H-E-H-A-P-P-Y-W-A-N-D-E-R-E-R, at yahoo.com. Please email me your thoughts, your questions, your considerations, and I look forward to continuing this conversation with you next time. Thank you. Okay, so I guess you got his contact information there. Um, Hopefully we can start a conversation on this topic. I think I have a few things to add to the conversation. Up next is my song I wrote for my dad, uh, released on Father's Day of this year. Uh, my music can be found on Bandcamp. Look for Candle Ends. That's my dog in the background. And um, also, I'm also doing a, a regular show on WCBN in Ann Arbor um, every Saturday night, Sunday morning, from 1 to 3 a.m., Freeform radio show. I've sort of been recreating some of my old podcasts, The Nether Regions, extending it a little bit. So if you want to hear that, wcbn.org, every Saturday night, Eastern Time, 1 to 3 a.m. Anyway, thanks for listening, and stay tuned to Hunting for Candlelands. A smiley face tomato paste On my burger No, it wasn't a waste of time But let's not talk about time You're short on yours And I'm half done with mine I want to wait Get carried away I met you on the stairs You hugged at the air Over my head But it tossed my hair A little tiger Burning bright Now you're a flickering torch It won't last the night I wanna wait Get carried away I pretended to sleep At the varsity So you picked me up And you carried me Now you can't walk Or talk Are you ready to Just make it stop I'll carry you away, away. I'll carry you away.